Amen. Thank you, Brother Robbie. Appreciate that. Amen. Appreciate Miss Jen, the special she sang. Appreciate the choir. Appreciate each person that's been involved. We're going to be in Luke chapter number 24 if you want to turn there. Uh, as you're turning there, I do want to say concerning Brother Robbie, uh, as many of you know, Brother Robbie has been called or surrendered to the call to the mission field and has been working toward that goal. Uh, he's been doing Bible college uh, in the uh, at night, and he's finished his Bible degree. Uh, he's been going to BIMI for uh, missionary training. He's been going down there, made several trips down there for missionary training, and working towards getting ready to start raising his support uh, to go on deputation so he can raise his support to go to Peru and serve as a missionary. You know, it's interesting. Whenever you tell God that you're willing, he'll give you no, no lack of things to do. Uh, Brother Robbie is very involved here at the church. As you've seen, he just went downstairs. Uh, he is working in the children's ministry. He teaches uh, our children's ministry. He fills in on our adult classes a lot of times. He drives a van every every week. He's involved at driving the van. Very, very involved in the work. And you surrender to God, God will give you plenty to do. And so Brother Robbie has uh, felt that the Lord is calling him to Peru. And so he is looking to start raising support to go there to Peru. We had hoped that Brother Robbie would be able to go spend a couple weeks in in Peru with the missionary that he'll be working with there before he began raising his support. But Peru is in a political unrest right now. They don't feel uh, that it's safe for Robbie to go right now. Uh, so the Lord has opened the door for Brother Robbie to go to the Philippines and he'll be going to the Philippines for about a month and he'll be serving with uh, our missionary, Brother Royal Tanyedo there in the Philippines. Uh, so looking forward to that. He'll be going this summer uh, and spending some time there. But in light of that, uh, with Brother Robbie wanting to get ready to start his deputation whenever he comes back from the Philippines. He'll be wanting to get started going and presenting his work to other churches. So I told him we want to give him a practice run among people who love him and support him and are here for him. And so next Sunday night, next Sunday night, uh, the last Sunday of this month, next Sunday night, uh, we will be having missionary Robbie Corbin here with us in the service. And so he'll be, uh, he's got his video presentation ready. He'll be showing us his video presentation. He'll have his prayer cards here with him. He'll be presenting the work and preaching for us just as he would present the work at any other church. And so I am really excited for Brother Robbie. I'm looking forward to that. And I ask that you be here uh, next Sunday night. If it's at all possible, for you to be here. Be here. Let him know that his church family is behind him. Uh, raising support can be a very difficult road. Uh, my dad raised support. Uh, he was uh, starting a church, uh, plant, taking over a church. It was pretty much closed down. They had no means of supporting dad. And so he went on support for a short, or deputation for a support, short amount of time to raise support so he could go take this church. And I was 10 or 11 years old and rode with him. Many times it was just me and him, and we'd go from church to church. And raising support on deputation can be a rough road. It can be a difficult way to go. And knowing that you have a church family back home who's rooting for you goes a long way to keep you going. And so uh, be here uh, next Sunday night if you can to support Brother Robbie. Let him know you believe in him. And uh, we'll be taking up an offering on that night uh, to help Brother Robbie with the expenses of his trip. So pray and ask the Lord uh, if he would have you give toward that as well. So just thank the Lord for Brother Robbie and what he's doing. 
also speaking of, of people and ministries, uh, Miss Jen sang this morning. I really appreciate all that Pastor Kit and Miss Jen do uh, here at the church, working with our young people and uh, all the ministries that they do, all the areas they're involved, many times behind the scenes. They do much behind the scenes that nobody notices, and we really appreciate them. And they'll be leaving tomorrow morning and going on a well-deserved vacation. So they'll be gone for a little over a week, leaving tomorrow morning. So I encourage you uh, this morning or tonight, uh, if the Lord lays it on your heart, to give them an extra blessing to take on vacation with them. Just slip a little something, you know, give them a padded handshake, tell them, hey, we appreciate you. Here's you an extra ice cream or a dozen donuts or... You know, here's your motel for the week. You know, whatever the Lord lays on your heart. But uh, uh, you give them a blessing and let them know that we appreciate them, appreciate the work they do here. As I said, Pastor Ken will be preaching tonight. And if you can be a blessing to them, I know that it would mean a lot to them. Amen, amen. Thank the Lord for a church full of people that serve and people that give. I'm telling you what, it's the way the Lord designed it. Amen. We're going to be in Luke 24. Luke 24, if I don't hurry up and get there, we won't be there this morning, right? Luke 24. <clears throat> and uh, we're looking at this thought, the testimony of two, the testimony of two. Last week, we started looking at some proofs of the resurrection. We've went through the book of Luke. We've looked at the life of Christ. We looked at the death of Christ there on Easter and then and the death and resurrection. And following Easter, we've been looking at this thought of proof of the resurrection, proof that Jesus rose from the dead from the Word of God. And here this morning, we're going to be looking at Luke 24, verse 13, down through verse number 35. And we're going to be looking at the story of the two on the road to Emmaus. Following the resurrection of Christ, there were many encounters between the resurrected Christ and his followers. We think of Mary at the garden. We mentioned her last week. We think of the disciples fishing and Jesus coming and saying, have ye any me? We think of Paul on the road to Damascus and many, many others. Matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 5 and 6, Paul says and that he was seen of Cephas, which we'll be referring back to this verse a little later on in the message, so keep this in your mind. Cephas there is Peter. And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once. And so we see that Christ appeared to many of his followers, uh, but one of the most detailed accounts we have of Jesus appearing after the resurrection occurred on the evening following his resurrection when he appeared to two disciples who were walking home from Jerusalem pondering all that had taken place. We find this story here in Luke 24, starting in verse number 13. It says, and behold, two of them. Now, let me clarify what that means when it says, and two of them. Who, who are we talking about? If you back up to verse number 9, it says, we'll see here that the ladies have been to the tomb. The ladies come back from the tomb. In verse number 9, it says, and returned from the sepulcher. This is the ladies returned from the sepulcher and told all these things, all that they had seen with Christ being gone, unto the eleven and to all the rest. Now we drop down uh, to verse number 11. It says, And their words seemed to them, to the apostles and all the rest, as idle tales, and they believed them not. Now if you drop right back down to verse number 13, it says, And behold, two of them. So the ladies came back from the sepulcher. They said to the apostles and all the rest, He's gone. We've seen him. He's alive. They didn't believe what they said. And two of them, two of the group, 
headed home. Alrighty? So now we kind of get the gist of this passage of Scripture. And behold, two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs. Now three score furlongs equals about seven to seven and a half miles. So that's about how far Emmaus was about seven, seven and a half miles west uh, of Jerusalem. And so they're headed to Emmaus. They're walking that way, taking about two hours uh, to make this walk. And as they talk, as they walk, they talk together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. God, in his omniscience, withheld their recognition of the Lord Jesus Christ so that this conversation could take place, so that it could be recorded in the Word of God for you and I. Had they recognized Jesus when He walked up, uh, the conversation would have been different, but because they didn't recognize Him, this conversation was able to take place. So God withheld their recognition for a time. And He said unto them, Jesus said unto them, What manner of communications are these? Uh, that ye have one to another as you walk and are sad. In other words, what are you talking about that's got you so sad? What is it? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem, and hast not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, in word before God and all the people, and how that the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so, as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. They drew nigh unto the village whither they went, and he made as though he would have gone further. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the Scriptures? And they rose up the same hour and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them, saying, The Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. They told what things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking of bread. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you, dear Lord, for your word. Thank you, dear Lord, for the privilege, the opportunity, uh, Lord, to come together for the purpose of worshiping you, glorifying you, 
and learning of you. Father, Lord, as we look at this account of these two, uh, two followers, uh, Lord, who although they were confused and unsure, Lord, you walked with them. And in walking with them, Lord, you revealed to them uh, who you were and why you had to die. Father, I pray as we look at this, uh, Lord, that it will encourage us, it will clarify our questions, uh, and Lord, that it will solidify in our hearts the truth uh, that you are this Messiah that died, was buried, and rose again. I pray to Lord, if there be any here this day, oh Lord, that do not know you as Savior, Lord, that's never put their trust in you, Lord, I pray that through this account, Lord, they will recognize the reality of the Christ and your ability to save. Father, I pray. Thank you for your goodness. Be with us this morning. And Father, we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. We find here the account of two disciples uh, who had been with the other followers of Christ that morning. Uh, uh, they had been shaken uh, by the death of Christ uh, uh, and they heard the reports of the women who had went to the tomb. As they left to walk home, their minds were filled, as you can imagine, with questions that seemingly had no Answers. Uh, their belief was shaken uh, and their hope was lost. As these two followers of Christ, most likely a husband and a wife, uh, made their way toward their home in Emmaus, they had a lot to talk about. You can imagine there was uh, quite a conversation going on as they reasoned among themselves uh, what this could possibly mean to them and, and to their belief that they had in Christ. Uh, as we said, it would take them about two hours to make this journey as they walked to Demaeus, and so they've got plenty of time to talk, so they leave Jerusalem. And as they're walking out of Jerusalem towards their home, they are talking about the fact that Christ was crucified. They're talking about the story that the ladies told, that he rose from the dead, and they're, they're trying to sort this out at, in their mind. Little did they know that on the way, they would encounter another visitor. Little did they know that somebody was going to come along and walk with them. I love the song that says, And he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I am his own. Here they are walking along. They are confused. They do not understand. And Jesus comes, and he walks with them. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us precisely who these two people were. We know that one was named Cleopas. We do not know the name of the other. We assume that it was a husband and a wife. The Bible really doesn't tell us anything else about them to our knowledge. If they are mentioned other places, they're not identified. We know very little about these people, but apparently they were very important to Jesus. There were hundreds of people who Jesus could have appeared to on the day of his resurrection. There were hundreds of people that he could have ministered to, but these people were important to Jesus. Let me just interject right here this morning that it doesn't matter who you are and how little known you are and how unimportant you feel, you are important to the Lord Jesus Christ and He will make time for you. Many times we go through life worried and concerned about the troubles in our life and we think that no one cares and no one understands and no one knows. Let me tell you, Jesus will take time to walk with you. So we see here that these folks who walk along had little idea that Jesus was going to join them. But in a few minutes, all their questions are going to be answered. All 
all their doubts are going to be removed as they commune with the risen Savior. Now as we go through this, and I'm just going to be honest with you, we're probably going to go a little late today, so y'all just hang on. There's too much here, and I can't get it finished in 10 minutes, so y'all just hold on. But as he walked with uh, as he walked with them, we see that he would reveal himself to them. And he would reveal himself to him. Uh, he would reveal himself to them in the same way that he reveals himself to people today. We see as we go through this story, and y'all follow along with us, that he will first reveal himself through his spirit, uh, or excuse me, through the scripture. He will first reveal himself through the scripture. Then he will reveal himself through his spirit. And finally, he will reveal himself uh, through his service. And so you follow along as we go, and you will see Christ revealing himself uh, to these people. As we look at this passage of scripture, I want to consider the conditions that dictate the direction of this account. First we see, as we look at these folks, we see their heavy hearts. Their heavy hearts. So their hearts are heavy because of confusion. There in verse 13 down through verse number 17, we read that as they were walking, they were talking about the things that were happening. And it says in verse number 17, and he, Jesus, said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? These two folks were talking about the events that had taken place in Jerusalem, what they did not understand, and because they did not understand it, the confusion had caused them to have heavy hearts. When Jesus arrived on the scene, now I want you to catch this about Jesus. Don't miss this. When Jesus arrived on the scene, he in his omnipotence knew why they were sad. It's why he showed up. It's because he knew they were sad. He knew why they were sad. He knew what they were talking about. He knew the answer that would solidify their problems. But whenever he showed up, he didn't just jump in with both feet and start fixing the problem. Instead, he asked them, what's bothering you? What is it that is troubling you? He invited them to share with him what it was that was on their heart. You know, many times people will say, well, why do we need to pray about it if God already knows any, everything anyway? Why do we need to pray? Why do we need to take it to Him? Because He desires and He invites us to share with Him what it is that is on our heart, what it is that is bothering us. He invites us to bring it to Him. And so He comes to these people and He said, what are you talking about? What is it that's got you so sad? And He invited them to open up to Him. Oh, often uh, we see Jesus showing up uh, in the lives of individuals, uh, being available in the lives of individuals, and yet we fail to accept his invitation of telling him what it is that's on our heart. We see here that Jesus shows up, and upon hearing the simple question of Jesus, uh, we see that Cleopas was more than willing to answer Cleopas was happy to tell someone what he did not understand. We see first that Cleopas spoke of the undeserved death of Jesus. The undeserved death of Jesus. This is something he's confused about. It says, And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said to him, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? Have you not have been around? This has been the talk of the town. Everybody knows what's going on. Are you only a stranger that you don't know this? And have not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, 
which was a prophet mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. First we see here that Cleopas was confused about the undeserved death of Jesus. We see that although he spoke highly of Jesus, we'll point out a couple things about Cleopas. Although he spoke highly of Jesus, he only gave a partial description. Instead of referring to Jesus as the Messiah, or the Son of God, or the Redeemer of Israel, Cleopas identifies Jesus as a mighty prophet. Now, I don't know if this description is the result of doubt stemming from the death of Christ or if this description reveals that Cleopas had been interested in Christ but had never fully understood who he was. It's apparent that Cleopas was a follower of Christ. Uh, Cleopas was with the rest of them after the resurrection when the ladies came back. Uh, uh, Cleopas knew of Christ. He was definitely interested in Christ. Uh, But now whenever he's speaking to this stranger, he identifies Jesus not as the Messiah, not as the Son of God, not as the Redeemer of Israel, but instead he identifies him as as a mighty prophet. It seems to me that the death of Christ has caused Cleopas to begin to doubt what he believed. You know what? The devil is real slick at causing you and I to doubt what we believe. There could be things in the Word of God that we are convinced of, we are assured of, we believe in them, we are convinced of them, and then trouble can come into our life, and the devil will take that opportunity to cause us to begin questioning the Word of God. We see here that Cleopas said he was a mighty prophet indeed. He was confused about who Jesus was. But then we see that he was also confused about the Jewish leader's decision to crucify Christ. He was confused why the Jewish leaders wanted to crucify him. He was a good man. Why would they kill him? Cleopas was struggling with the death of Christ because he was trying to merge all the religions together. Now let me just interject a very common sense thought right here. If you want to stay confused your entire Christian life, try to merge all the religions together. You will never be able to make sense of anything if you are constantly trying to reconcile, well, they believe that, and they believe that, and they believe that, and all of it has to have some truth, and you're constantly trying to merge it. You will stay constantly confused about what you believe. Now, I'm not telling you that we shouldn't understand what other people believe. Sometimes it's helpful to understand what they believe so that we can direct them to the truth. But whenever you begin to get this mindset that we're all the same and we all are one one big group of believers and we're all going to heaven together, that's a bunch of nonsense. There is only one way of salvation. And if they do not believe in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, I hate to tell them this, but they are not going to be in heaven with me. But Cleopas here was trying to reconcile the Jewish leaders who he apparently had looked up to at least part of his life being a Jewish man. He had grew up looking up to these Jewish leaders, respecting them, respecting their opinions. He had become interested in this man Jesus. He had become a follower of this man Jesus. But now he's confused because the religious leaders killed Jesus. 
You see the confusion that Cleopas is fighting with here? He's struggling over the undeserved death of the Lord Jesus Christ. But in addition to being confused about the undeserved death of Jesus, we see that Cleopas was also confused and had a heavy heart because of the unexplained loss of redemption. The unexplained loss of redemption. He says, but we have trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. He's like, I'm, why am I sad? I'll tell you why I'm sad. There was a mighty prophet who I was following who the religious leaders killed. He didn't deserve to die, and I don't understand why they killed him. Second, why am I confused? Because I believed that this man Jesus was going to be my redeemer and now he's dead. I don't know if you caught this or not, but it's hard to be redeemed by a dead person. And Cleopas said, I don't see how this is going to work. I had believed that he was going to be the redeemer of Israel and now he's dead. We see that Cleopas was confused because of the undeserved death of Jesus, but he's also confused by this unexplained loss of redemption. Now, if you look in the Old Testament prophets, the Old Testament which the Jews studied is filled with prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ. The prophecy about the Lord Jesus Christ, though, speaks of both His earthly ministry wherein He brings redemption to mankind and his millennial reign wherein he comes as a king and rules and reigns on the earth for a thousand years. Whenever the Old Testament, whenever the uh, Old Testament Jewish leaders would study the law and they would read the prophets, they did what humans tend to do. They focused on the good and skipped over the bad. And whenever they would read the prophecies of a reigning king, whenever they would read prophecies of the lamb lying down with the lion, whenever they would read prophecies of swords being built into, beat into plowshares, whenever they would read prophecies of a bountiful land and a king who brought prosperity and peace, they said, this is the Jesus that we're looking for. But what they misunderstood is that was the second phase. That wasn't the first phase. That was when he comes back for his millennial reign, which you and I are still looking ahead to. We're looking forward to that day when we will rule and reign with Christ, but it's not yet. But it was prophesied in the Old Testament, and these leaders, they focused on it and said, this is our Redeemer. But just as many passages in the Old Testament that speak of the millennial reign, there are just as many passages that speak of a lamb going to the slaughter. There's just as many passages that speak of the blood that must be shed. There's many examples of a sacrificial lamb. We see it in the garden when the animals are slain to provide a covering for Adam and Eve. We see it whenever... Uh, whenever Abraham took Isaac on the mount, we see these pictures over and over and over through the Old Testament. We read Isaiah 53 uh, that speaks of a suffering Savior. We see it all through the Old Testament. Plenty of prophecy that tells us that the Redeemer must shed His blood for the remission of sins. But the Jews didn't want to focus on that. Had they focused on it, they may have not found themselves in this position 
But all they wanted to focus on was the glorious kingdom that was coming. And there's much application that we can make to you and I and our mindset today and how many times we want to focus on the blessings but we want to skim over the sufferings with Christ and we could preach all day on that. We many times make the same mistake. But we see here that Cleopas is confused because how is a dead man going to create this utopia he's been reading about? Now, had Cleopas understood the whole picture, it would have made sense. But Cleopas is saying, I don't, I don't understand. The Redeemer is dead. Third, we see that Cleopas was confused by the unbelievable claim of the women. He says in verse 22, Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying, that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the women had said. Catch this last sentence. Cleopas is revealing his heart right here. But him they saw not. You remember in verse number 11, he said it seemed as idle tales and they believed them not. Now he's revealing to this stranger, he said, and here's something else, here's another twist to the story. Uh, some ladies went to the sepulcher this morning to anoint his body and they claimed that he was gone and angels told him he was risen from the dead. So some of the rest of us, we went to check them out and yeah, the tomb was empty, but guess what? We didn't see any redeemer anywhere. Cleop is saying, we're further confused about what's going on with some of our company who are having uh, these ideas that he's risen from the dead. We've seen him crucified. We've seen him buried. We don't know why he killed him. We don't know what's happened to our redemption. And some of our group is losing their mind. This is where we found ourselves. Can you help us? Boy, I'm glad they asked the right person. <laughs> They asked the right person. We'll move on through this quickly. After listening to their concerns, Jesus begins to open the word of God to them. In verse 25 down through verse number 27, we see that they made the right choice. We see their hearing ears. Let me just give you a tip. If Jesus is speaking, you do well to listen. <laughs> If Jesus is speaking, you do well to listen. And I want to show you here, this is the first place he begins to reveal himself and he begins to really reveal himself through the scripture. We see here their hearing ears. Jesus begins to clarify some of what I've just been saying to you. In the following verses, we find that Jesus did three things for the confusion of the disciples. First, we see in verse number 25 that he revealed their mistake. In verse number 25, he says, O fools and slow of heart to believe all. Boy, that's an important word right there, isn't it? To believe all that the prophets uh, have spoken. Uh, so Cleopas has just revealed, here's the problem. Uh, our, our, our Jesus is dead. Uh, our, our hope of redemption is lost. Some of our group is losing their mind. We don't know what we're supposed to do. And uh, this stranger says to them, Old fools uh, and slow of heart, uh, you didn't believe all that the prophets had spoken. And just as I explained a moment ago, uh, uh, Jesus is saying uh, there are two parts 
to my ministry and you focused on one part and missed the other part. He revealed their mistake. Let me just say quickly here to you this morning that this entire book from Genesis to Revelation we find in 1 Timothy all scripture is profitable. All scripture is useful. All scripture can instruct. All scripture can, can direct. All scripture can correct. And if you are picking and choosing what you want to believe and you're leaving other parts on the shelf you're going to find yourself in the same place as Cleopas and his wife confused about what's going on with God. He said, oh fools, it's slow of heart not to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Not only did he reveal their mistake, but second, he reminded them of his mission. In verse number 26, he says to them, Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? He said, In not understanding all the prophets, you've missed my mission. The prophets tell you that Christ must first suffer to provide redemption for mankind, and then he will enter into his glory. We see that he suffered on Calvary. He rose again, and now you and I have a means of salvation, and you and I are benefiting from the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And there is coming a day when those who have put their trust in him will be reunited with him in his glory. Jesus revealed their mistake in not reading all of the prophets. He reminded them that his mission was first to redeem mankind and second to enter into his glory and third we see that he rehearsed Moses and the prophets it says in verse number 27 and beginning at Moses and all the prophets he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself now I don't know how far they were from Jerusalem when Jesus joined them I don't know if they had walked five minutes if they had walked ten minutes if they had walked an hour I don't know how far from Jerusalem they were when Jesus joined them, but Jesus joined them and they're still walking. And Jesus said to them, he said, I want to show you the truth. I want to help you. And Jesus himself... Never underestimate the power of Scripture because Jesus Himself said, if you want to know who the Son of God is, we find Him first in the Word of God. And He began right there and began expounding to them what the Word of God had said about the Messiah. Can you imagine what a church meeting that was? I'm telling you what, walking on the way to Emmaus and Jesus Himself, He may have started all the way back in Genesis 3.15, talking about the heel uh, being bitten, but the head being crushed. And he begins to talk to them about the promise of a redeemer. He reveals to them the examples that I mentioned a little bit ago. He talks to them about slaying the, the, the animal for the covering. He talks to them about the symbolism of Abraham and Isaac. He tells them what all was shown and he reveals to them that he must come, he must suffer, that he might redeem mankind. And all the way to Emmaus, they are living listening to the Son of God expounding the Word of God. Well, I'm telling you what, what a meeting that must have been as they're going along that way. And Jesus, through the Word of God, reveals Himself to them. We see finally they arrived at Emmaus. It's time to go home. And Jesus, 
who loves for us to invite him to be a part of our life. Don't forget, he invited them to share their troubles. And now they've got home. And Jesus made as if he would have went further, the Bible tells us. You know what he was waiting on? He was waiting on an invitation to come sit down at the dinner table with them. You know why Jesus isn't at your dinner table? Because you didn't invite him. You know why Jesus isn't found in your home many times? Because you didn't invite him. Because if you invite him in, the Bible says he will come in and sup with you and you with him. You say, well, Pastor John, that's kind of accusational to say uh, that Jesus isn't in our home. Well, I know that you've experienced it before because I've experienced it before. There's been plenty of times when I've decided what I was going to do with my, with my free time and I chose to do something selfish and self-gratifying rather than inviting the Lord to join me. And I find out that although I may not did anything sinful, neither did I get any real blessings. But whenever I take the time to invite Jesus in, he's always happy to come in. He made as if he had went further, but they constrained him. They said, come on, we want to know more. We want to hear more. Come, come to our house. We see here uh, his healing power, the healing power of the Savior. We see their desire for his companionship. They constrained him saying, abide with us for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. Not only do we see their desire for his companionship, but we see their delight in his completed work. It's starting to all make sense. I made a comment this morning in Sunday school. I'm going to make it to all of y'all too. The word of God Understanding the Word of God. I doubt I ever fully understand all of it, but it is my goal to keep reading and keep searching and keep learning until I can understand as much of it as possible. But many times putting the Word of God together is like putting a puzzle together. All the pieces have to fit together to get the whole picture. We were talking this morning in Sunday school that how oftentimes uh, in Sunday school I'll make reference to a message I've preached. Many times when I'm preaching a message I'll make reference to something that I said on a Wednesday night or something like that. We'll make reference back and forth on these different messages. Each of those messages are like pieces of the puzzle. And if you want to understand the things of God, you need all the puzzle pieces. And if you only come once a week, it's going to take you a while to get all the pieces. But if you attend four times a week, Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, you're going to get your puzzle pieces a lot faster. You're going to be able to put your puzzle together. And you say, well, sometimes I come on Sunday night and it's boring. Or I come on Wednesday night and you're just talking about visiting Israel and it does, it's not anything I'm interested in. Let me tell you, if you keep coming and you keep coming, have you ever put some of puzzles together? You look at some of those pieces and you're like, they don't go with this puzzle. There's no way they fit in. But the more pieces you get, the more sense it starts to make. And you'll remember that that lesson and that message and that passage of Scripture, and boy, the next thing you know, the picture starts coming together. That's what's happening right here. These guys finally got the puzzle put together. Jesus explained the prophets. He explained his mission. He explained why he came. He explained why he died. He came in and he sat down to dinner, and all of a sudden, it started making sense. And we see here the completed work of Christ. They delight in the completed work. It says in verse number 30, and it came to pass as he said at me with them he took bread and blessed it and broke and gave to them and their eyes were opened and they knew him and he vanished out of their sight 
They said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture? I want to show you those other two parts. First, he revealed himself through scripture. Then we see here in verse number 32, it said, did not our heart burn within us? We see that he revealed himself to them through his spirit. They began to interact with the spirit of God. Then we see that he, he revealed himself finally through his service to them. You know, you and I are to be like Christ and the example that Christ gave to us as Christians is that we are to be servants. And his final revealing was when he broke the bread and he handed it to them. Now, I don't know if this is the case or not, but is it possible that when he reached that bread out, they saw the nail in the back of his hand and all of a sudden all the pieces of the puzzle came together and they understood what the Word of God was teaching, that He did come, He did suffer, He did die, that man might be redeemed, and one day He was coming back again. We see their delight in His completed work and finally, don't get restless on us, we're wrapping up quick as we can, we see their decision to confirm His resurrection. After they recognized who He was, they got up and went back to Jerusalem. Now, after having been to Israel, I've realized that from anywhere in Israel, if you go to Jerusalem, it's all uphill. Israel's the, or Jerusalem's the highest point. So going from Jerusalem to Emmaus, they was walking downhill. But whenever it came time to go back, it was uphill all the way. But I just have this inclination. The Bible don't say. But I have this inclination they made it back to Jerusalem faster than they got home. They said, we're going back and we telling them what we have found out. So back to Jerusalem they go. They get to the upper room and I just want you to notice this one thing right here. It says in verse 33, and they rose up the same hour and it says, and returned to Jerusalem and found the eleven gathered together and them that were with them saying, the Lord is risen indeed and hath appeared to Simon. Now that verse 34 can be very confusing. Some people have taken verse 34 to mean that Peter, Simon Peter, was who was with Cleopas because they come back and says the Lord has appeared to Simon. And some people have taken that to mean, but we know that's not so because they came back and found the 11. So Peter was there when they got there. So what does this mean? Well, here's what this means. It means when they got back, they had just encountered Jesus and they come back, they come into the upper room and they run in with their exciting news and the upper room is buzzing with excitement. And they're like, what's everybody excited about? And they say, the Lord appeared to Simon. Now the Bible doesn't give us a lot of details on when the Lord appeared to Simon, but Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 5, remember I told you to remember that verse, that he appeared first unto Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the twelve. So we do know that the Lord appeared to Peter. It just, we just don't have the details of that sighting. But the Lord had appeared to Peter. And then the, these two from Emmaus, they go running back and they get to the upper room. Very possible that when Jesus left them, you know, they got seven miles to get back, that Jesus hurried himself back to Jerusalem and appeared to Peter. Peter tells the disciples, I just saw the Lord. The, the people from Emmaus come in and they say, the Lord appeared to Simon. He's a and they say, I know he's alive because he appeared to us too. And they begin to share how the Lord had revealed himself to them. You know, I see a beautiful picture right here. I see a beautiful picture. 
Whenever multiple people begin encountering the Lord, it creates an atmosphere that there's nothing this world has to offer that can ever compare with it. The upper room was one place of excitement because these followers of Christ were finally putting together all the pieces of the puzzle and they understood that the Lord had risen from the dead. We see here that Jesus comforted their hearts. We see in this story of these disciples, we see some people who saw the risen Lord. We see proof of the resurrection, but we also see proof of his power to deliver. He has been victorious over death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to ask each of you to stand there to your feet. We're going to take just a moment, just a moment. The Lord spoke to your heart. We want to give you just a moment, give you an opportunity to come to this altar. If no one comes, we'll move on into the baptism, but we want to give you just a moment. Just play through one time, Miss Debbie. Perhaps you're here and you're like, Pastor John, I've never heard all that. I've never heard it explained that way. But the Lord through the message has revealed to me and helped me to understand that Jesus came to save the world. And if you've never put your trust in Him, let this morning be the morning that you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ.